What's going on everybody? Welcome back to another episode of MMA Casuals here. I'm your host Nick Woodley and tonight I am Top Gun Maverick flying solo into the danger zone, into the unknown, back again for UFC 280. It's been a while, it's time to dust off the boots, have a little look at the card tonight and give you guys a bit of a rundown. Can't wait to get stuck into it here again. Obviously shout out to my co-hosts who are usually with me. Uh, Tom Hother, Karn Ashworth and Steve Mulally. I know you guys have way better things to do with your Saturday night than hang out with me and the other casuals listening in. But for the rest of us that are here, let's settle in, have a look at the card and talk some casual shit. So UFC 280, this is going to be the biggest card of the year by far. Uh, I'm having a look at some of the fighters that are not only on the prelims of the card or the early prelims, but some of the title fights and the bigger fights towards the end of the card as well. Fantastic. Can't wait um, to see some of these guys back in action. Obviously, at the last fight of the night, you've got Charles Oliveira versus Islam Makhachev. This is the fight that everybody's been waiting for for the longest time, just when you thought nobody could stop Charles Oliveira. Islam rears his head, and this is going to be one hell of a wrestling battle. And you're going to answer that question. Is it grappling versus jiu-jitsu? Or is it going to be striker versus striker? A lot of people are saying that they cancel each other out on the ground. Let's have a little delve into that one a bit later and see how much of that's true. See my casual opinion, of course. And then the co-main event, you have the title for the bantamweight. Aljamain Sterling versus TJ Dillaroids. <coughs> Dillashaw, sorry. It's going to be an absolute belter as well. Um, Aljamain's coming off a fairly dominant performance against Piotr Jan. Um, and TJ's coming off a, an edged decision, I would say, um, against Corey Sanhagen, uh, where he sort of blew out his knee from a heel hook or a leg lock that um, Corey had wrapped him up with in the first round. And props to him, he did sort of fight through that fight for the rest of the, the rest of those five rounds. So, yeah, it's going to be definitely an interesting one to watch. Um, and then before that, the Coco main event in the bantamweight division, you've got Piotr Jan versus the Sugar Show, Sean O'Malley. So a lot of people are asking questions around this fight. Um, Pyotrian's obviously lost his last two um, coming into this one. It's a three-rounder. He's, you know, historically a bit of a slow starter. Takes him a little while to find his range and really get those leg kicks going. Um, and Sugar Show coming off a uh, eye poke, no contest off of um, Pedro Munoz. So before that, obviously, he's had a, a really good run and a few finishes leading up to the Munoz fight, where he didn't really take flight in that first round. I think I scored that 10-9 to Munoz. Uh, and then in the second round, I was sort of was picking up a bit of pace. And yeah, the eye poke was... I mean, it is what it is, right? Like, you, you don't want to be at a disadvantage if you can't see. You know, fair credit to him. He got scratched in the eye or poked in the eye. That's never something that you want to see. So hoping Sean can find his range early in this one. Um, and we'll have a little bit look have a look into that one in a minute but Benil Dariush versus Matus Gamrot this has absolutely the credentials to be the fight of the night for me personally I've been a big fan of Benil Dariush for a long long time uh, and to see another uh, extremely well-rounded fighter coming out of Poland is always exciting they don't fuck around over there they definitely train hard um, and Gamros is coming off a uh, five-round decision of um, in his last match as well so he was lucky to edge that one I felt definitely uh wasn't much in it, but he, he definitely did look like the fresher fighter at the end of the five, um, and that's going to be an absolute clinic for him to try and stop Benil Dariush, who's on a hell of a run um, and sort of thinks that this could be a title eliminator. Before that, we've got the flyweight matchup between Caitlin Chukagian and Manon Furio, uh, and both of these gals are on a pretty solid run at the moment. Obviously, Caitlin probably has the most decision wins in the flyweight division, 
um, and Manon has a few stoppages and she's on a bit of a roll as well. That's the main card. I did sort of want to touch on a few of the other fights that we're going to be looking at as well, obviously, on the night um, in Abu Dhabi. This is going to be a hell of an early card. I think the prelims start for us at like 4 o'clock in the morning, um, so it's definitely going to be uh, an Irish breakfast, let's say. <laughs> Shout out, Steve. You know what I'm talking about, brother. Bilal Muhammad versus Sean Brady. Uh, this is going to be you know, a wrestler's wet dream at welterweight. We've seen Bilal, who's on a pretty significant run, and he's had a fair, he's had a bit of a tough run of things. He's been training uh, over in Abu Dhabi with the um, with Makachev's camp um, and Khabib and and Abubakar and and Magomed and everybody who's sort of training out of their camps. You've got half of fucking Dagestan fighting on this card, so I hope you boys like wrestling. Uh, if not, then you might want to skip forward to the Sean O'Malley Piotr Jan fight because. Every other fight on the card seems to have uh, a wrestler on it. But look, I mean, that's not a bad thing. These fights can get really, really technical. Um, and you can see some really impressive performances. So it might be a light, not, uh, not a long night at the office for everybody. Uh, but we're going to see some fantastic wrestling. So Sean Brady, Bilal Muhammad, looking forward to that one. I think Sean Brady's a gun in the welterweight division. He's huge for that, uh, for 170. Bilal, again. He had a pretty impressive win over Vicente Luque, uh, went the distance um, and sort of earned back that loss. So good for him. You know, fan of Bilal, he had it rough against Rocky Edwards, uh, the new champ and new. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if he can put the hurt on Sean Brady. I feel like Brady might be a bit of a better grappler um, and might be a bit more well-rounded, but you can never count Bilal out. He, he sort of does lay and pray, and, and if he can get to a top position and be dominant and Sean can't get out, then the judges might see that as his decision but again look we have a look at the card you've got some some crazy wrestlers on there um, and then you've got Nikita Krylov versus Volkan Uzdemir which is definitely going to be a banger I don't see that one going to, even close to the distance or out of the second round uh, Magomed Mustafaev Yamato Nishikawa going to be great Abubakar Nurmagomedov Nurmagomedov fuck me uh, against Gadzi or Magadziv going to be another wrestling clinic as well Listen, I'm fucking up these names, don't get me wrong, but uh, that's not something you you guys have to worry about, you casuals out there. What you do have to worry about, you have to send a Twitter, a tweet, a prayer, uh, a letter, an email, kind fucking positive vibes to Bruce Buffer. This man has some names to pronounce. I'm stuttering and I'm reading off a list in fucking front of me. Poor Bruce, he's going to have to put his homework, he's going to have to do his homework and... Uh, and uh, bite down on that ma mouthpiece and, and start swinging for the pronunciation of some of these words. So. <laughs> Let's get stuck into it, guys. Let's dive into these fights. Um, again, look, excited for this. Um, I think if you haven't been counting down to see Charles Oliveira uh, versus Islam Makachev, then you definitely, definitely are a casual. But don't worry, you're in the right place. I'll see you right. And uh, we can have a look into these and see where we're going to go with it. So first fight on the main event, we've got Caitlin Chukagian, the blonde fighter, against Manon the Beast Furo, fighting out of France, uh, who's on a bit of a stint at the moment. So she's been in the UFC for the last couple of years. Uh, she made a debut against Victoria Leonardo back in 2021, where she got a pretty significant head kick stoppage. Uh, it was good to see. She then followed that up with another stoppage. Um, and then came off a few decisions, notable mentions. Uh, Jennifer Meyer was her last victory back in March. So she's a little bit shorter than 
Caitlin. Uh, Caitlin's going to be a bit more rangy, but the power definitely rests with Manon there. Um, and we know they train hard in France. Shout out to Cyril Gunn. Flipping over the camp to Caitlin Chukagian. Again, look, she's uh, consistent. She's getting up there in age. Uh, and she has the most decision wins in the division by far at flyweight. So, yeah, she's been stopped a few times. I think her last two stoppages, she got ripped by Jessica Andrade in the first. Huge body shot, and she went down like a sack of potatoes. Um, and then she got ground and pound TKO'd out by Valentina back in 2020. So, look, she's not one who's going to sort of stop you in the first round, Caitlin. Uh, but Manon definitely has that power. So if Caitlin can weather the storm of that first round and um, sort of mix in some good grappling, good knees, Caitlin has a good clinch, um, good takedown defense. Uh, she's never been subbed. So if she can sort of be rangy, find that range, find her groove early, use those teeps, body shots, um, then she can definitely have some good success there. But obviously on the opposite side of that as well. Um, speaking in the most casual way possible, if, if Manon can sort of get in the pocket, rip the body, um, you know, head, body, head, and, and use that boxing, um, she might be able to get a stoppage of over Chukagian. But look, I think it's a it's a big challenge for her, coming off her win after, over Jennifer Meyer. Uh, big challenge for Manon. I think it's definitely a step up in competition. Um, whether it deserves a spot on the card over Sean Brady and Bilal Muhammad, hey, look, I don't make the matchups. Uh, I don't list the cards, but hey, I can definitely tell you uh, which one I'm looking forward to out of those two fights more. But nonetheless, look, Caitlin's entertaining to watch, um, and it could be a bit of a banger if Manon goes off early. Moving on, right. Benil Dariush and Matus Gamera. Look, I think, again, going back to what I was sort of saying, I'm riding Benil's dick a little bit, but he... He's been out for a while. I think he had a daughter. Um, he's taken some time. I think there might have even been like a toe or foot injury in there as well. Um, but he's he's definitely put in his work. I think he's done a few fight camps now, so I'm, I'm sure he's more than ready. Coming in at 21-4, and four, I think he's definitely ready to put the hammer down. Uh, coming off a, a hell of a run, you know, dating back for the last sort of four or five years as well. So that was the last time he got knocked out by Alexander Hernandez, which was pretty savage. Um, barely got his the fight started and, and he got dropped so yeah look I, I think coming into this one he, he's got some good wins on his record we're going to find out about ring rust but we've seen it in fighters before where they have a daughter you know and that becomes their everything their drive their their fire um and Benil's very very well-rounded people sort of count him out but he's you know he's consistent he's well-rounded he's five knockouts eight submissions eight decision wins um, and only four losses. So, in my casual opinion, coming up against Matus, the game of Gamrot, I mean, look, I think there's just an experience different here, difference here. Um, Gamrot's only sort of been in the UFC for the last sort of barely two years. Um, he did have an impression submission. Kimura went over Jeremy Stevens, um, and then obviously he went the distance with Saruki in the last time out. So, it's been a while since. Uh, Benil's had a fight. Matus is, is grappling. If he can sort of outgrapple Saruki, and then then that's that's definitely something to say. But I feel like Benil's going to bring us a different level of fire to this one. Um, but that's not reflecting of what the matchmakers are saying, or the odds makers, rather. Uh, they think it's going to be a walk in the park, park for Gamrot. But Benil, you can't forget, very, very good Muay Thai, good knees, 
I've got spinning back fist, elbows, ground and pound, submission defense, you know. Uh, it's going to be an absolutely fantastic fight. But starting off the night, or oh, the main card of the wrestling strong, uh, I'm picking Benil for this one. I hope he can get it done. He's an exciting guy to watch. Uh, and he, I think, would pose the next biggest threat for either Charles or Islam, whoever sort of takes out the belt next. No disrespect to McGamrot as well. I know how hard he trains over there in Poland. Uh, but I'm giving the edge to this one, to Benil. Moving on. Oh, the bantamweight fight that nobody wanted to see. But they called for it. They called for this one. Piotr Jan and Sean O'Malley. Nobody wanted to see it so soon. Uh, the fight doesn't really make sense to me. But look, we're here. We're excited. This is a, a fucking huge opportunity to Sean O'Malley. A huge opportunity for Piotr Jan. If he can, you know, uh, come back into this one after, after that loss from Aljamain and stop Sugar Show, you know, steal his hype, all that kind of good stuff. Um, then that's going to do nothing but wonders for Piotr Jan. And in the past, obviously, I, I have been a huge Piotr Jan fan. Um, and if you're not on Sean O'Malley's dick, then, you know, <laughs> you must be a casual. <laughs> Looking back at the Aljo fight, um, Piotr did well to sort of be rangy. That was a very, very close decision. Um, I don't know which way you guys scored it. Let me know. Um, get at us at MMACasuals underscore NZ on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts, opinions, feelings. Um, around that fight, I sort of had a three to two to Piotr, um, especially after dominating those those last two rounds. But it is what it is, and coming into this fight, I know he's going to be wanting to steal that hype train and put out Sean O'Malley um, and kick the absolute living fuck out of his legs. So, yeah, Sean, look, he 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 starts probably faster than Piotr Jan. Piotr Jan's going to march forward if Sean can sort of be rangy, use feints, you know, use good angles, stay off the cage. Um, then you know it's Sean's fight to lose. Obviously, the a lot of the odd, odds makers and, and people are sort of saying that Sean's the underdog uh, quite significantly. I think this is a huge step up for Sean as well. However, we're gonna find out. You know, uh, I don't want to jinx anything, but look, I mean, with a card this good, there is sort of some uh, <laughs> some questions around: Is somebody gonna pull out, or who's gonna get injured in training? Um, but let's not, you know, let's not jinx that one just yet. And we'll cover that and the scenarios around the main event and cancellations or weight misses, uh, momentarily. So for this one, call me a fucking dirty casual, but, uh, I'm, I'm going with Sugar Show. I think he's going to out to out point Piotr for the first two rounds and then be evasive the last round. Um, and that's going to get him the win from there. Is it enough to be, you know, if he finishes him, if he finishes him, fuck, I don't, you know, I don't know if anyone's ever done that to Piotr Jan in the USC or outside of that. Uh, but if Sugar Show can put his lights out or submit him, fuck, that would be definitely enough to call for that title shot. I think, you know, depending on how the main event between Al Joe and, and TJ goes, if it's close or um, yeah, they want to run it back or whatever the case may be. But I think it's TJ's uh, last sort of run at the title. But we will get to that in a moment. I think, again, with this one, I'm, I'm, I'm siding with Sugar Show. Call me a casual, uh, you know. Tell me I'm on the hype train. But I do like I do like the kid. He's, uh, he's worked hard enough to get where he is. He's called for these fights. 
Uh, and although it sort of doesn't make too much sense to have number 12 against number number two or three or whatever Piotiana's, I mean, shit, it's a good opportunity for both of them. They're both class fighters. Um, but hey, yeah, you really can't take anything away from Piotiana's boxing's incredible. His clinch is incredible. His uh, takedown defense, I think, was 22-2 and two, uh, against Aljo. Um, and in those scrambles, you sort of see him, you know. He got that head kick knockout of Uriah Faber from very, very close. Um, and his boxing in the pocket is fantastic. So Sean, again, can sort of be rangy, check the leg kicks. Um, I think it's going to be an interesting fight, and it's sort of one of the only sort of striking, you'd think, striker versus striker um, fights on the main card. Whew. Aljamain Sterling, Funkmaster, the champ, versus TJ Dillashaw, the champ of... and EPO no 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 listen that was a long time ago I'm sure he's changed he did his uh, apology letter he got stripped of his belt uh, <laughs> uh, but it is what it is Aljo TJ this is going to be an interesting matchup uh, who's the better wrestler I think this is the question that's going to be asked we know how many times TJ's gone five rounds we know that Aljo went five against Piotr uh, and almost went five the time before that, before he um, had a late lunch of a knee to the face. And these things happen. But I think it's going to be a cardio battle, you know, whether TJ has any support from other substances or, you know, a really good camp or um, all that time off, you know. you got to question those things. How good is the knee, you know? Because um, you look at Aljamain in his last fight and he made it through those rounds, in a pretty cruisy fashion. Um, he did obviously sit on the back of Piotr for two rounds, which sort of won him the fight in the end. Um, but he wasn't able to finish Piotr. So whether he's able to finish Dillashaw on this one, who knows? Um, it's it's a really, really hard fight to pick, I think. TJ's striking is a lot better. I think TJ would say his wrestling is better. Uh, but the jiu-jitsu game of El is going to be something to look out for, whether he does go down the road that sort of Sanhagen did and start looking for leg locks and... Um, heel hooks and calf slices and all that fancy stuff that I have no idea how to do. Um, but then again, look, TJ's uh, never been submitted. So he's been stopped a few, uh, twice, I think, and, and I know that Cejudo stopped him really early in the first round. Um, and then before that, it, it, it might have been sort of back in his ultimate fighter days. <laughs> um where I, th I also think he got stopped in the first round. So, yeah, I don't see Aljamain coming out of the gate and sort of trying to KO TJ. I think he wants to sort of do what he did to Piotr, stay on the back and grind and look for scrambles and perhaps try and tie up a leg or um, even, a, even a neck. We know how good Aljo is on the back. I'm not trying to take away anything from Aljamain. I just, he's definitely not my favorite champion in the UFC, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, interesting fight. Um... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side with with Dillashaw on this one. I think it's his, his last sort of stint or run towards the title. I know he's getting up there. He'll be 37 in, in February, um, you know, and he does train hard. And, and I've seen a fair bit of footage around his camp um, coming into this fight, and it does look like he's putting the work in. He's incredible, in incredible shape for somebody that age, uh, whether that's because of things... <laughs> 
<laughs> I guess we'll find out when uh, he pees in the cup after the fight. But yeah, definitely going to be an interesting one if it's uh, Anu against Dillashaw. I don't know. Who does he fight? Does he fight Piotr if he wins? Sugar Show if he wins? There's a couple of good matchups you can make there. Um, you know, he could also, if Corey Sanhagen gets a win under his belt, he could definitely run that back as well. That'd be interesting to see. So yeah, going to be super interesting. Going with TJ for this one, I, I feel like his cardio might be a little bit better than Aljo's. His striking's definitely a little bit better. Um, but yeah, I think I see it going the distance. Charles Dubronx Oliveira. The champion has a name, and it is Charles Dubronx Oliveira against Islam Makhachev. Didn't have a fight name for this one. I was thinking, uh, trying to think of some fight names for this guy. You know, everybody fighting out of Dagestan has these one sort of eagle. Or <laughs> Maybe they were going to name him the Raven or the Hawk or something. But no, this is going to be an absolutely fucking crazy fight. I think everybody, you know. If you know who the you know what the UFC is, you know who Charles Oliveira is. You know who Islam Makhachev is. You know how important this fight is. You know the rest of the lightweight division in the top sort of ten. You know the movements are very very slow, um, slow moving. But Charles is the most active champion. Well, not champion, but uh, champion. You know that we've seen for a long time, and he's coming off three fucking impressive wins over uh, Chandler, Gaethje, and Dustin as well. And those guys have been at the top of the lightweight division for the longest time. And then Charles is on this incredible run. Comes from nowhere, gets dropped against Chandler, gets dropped against Gaethje, get, uh, gets dropped against Poirier, gets dropped against Gaethje. Gets up, you know, near enough knocks out Justin Gaethje. Uh, and then knocks out Chandler uh, and and ties up Dustin with that rear naked choke after, you know, what's, uh, what I would have called a 10-8 round in that second as well. Um, I mean, you can't take anything away from this guy. Charles... We've talked about him. He's probably the most spoken about fighter on this podcast over the ones that we have done and, and, and the fights that we've sort of covered because he is that active, you know, and that's what you want to see from a champion. Some, you know, some people have said about Khabib, like, yes, he was good. He fought once a year. Uh, he sort of really didn't fight anybody outside of Connor. Um, although Dustin, you know, you could give him that and Gaethje towards the end of it there as well. Uh, but he sort of was only fighting very, very infrequently. And that's not you know, compared to Charles, I mean, that would be an interesting matchup, right? Like, does if Charles beats Islam, does he call out Khabib for the return? Like, how fucking crazy would that be? There's a story. That would make good TV, you know? Um, or does he dust Islam and try and keep calling out Conor McGregor? Because there's no one really for him if he beats Islam at 155. Um, and obviously 170 is sort of tied up with, with uh, Leon Edwards and Kamaru running that back. But... If you can get past Islam, Islam, you know, you could make a case for Charles and Usman having a good fight, you know, if he can deal with that sort of high-pressure wrestling and that fast pace. Islam reckons he's going to finish Charles in two, and don't get me wrong, um, Islam Makachev is, is, I think, a, a more sharpened, more refined version of Khabib. Um, well, at least what that, that's probably what they would like to say, um, and you absolutely can't take anything away from Islam. He's... he's uh, had some impressive victories, you know, uh, and he's only had that one defeat, you know, earlier on in his UFC career um, against someone who sort of 
caught a, uh, you know, it was a lucky shot or a really well-timed place shot, um, but sort of hadn't lived up to much after that. And that was back in 2015, you know, Islam isn't even having that thoughts enter his mind, you wouldn't think. Um, and he went on one hell of a run from there, you know, honourable mentions. I mean, not so much anymore, but Nick Lentz, Sarukian, Drew Dober, Thiago Moises, Dan Hooker, Bobby Green. Um, and he made those those last two, unfortunately, look quite easily with the way that he sort of put away Bobby Green and, and Kimura, Dan Hooker. Um, it's impressive to watch. I mean, looking at Islam as a, a physical specimen, he looks jacked. In this camp, he looks fucking jacked. Like, he... His, his back muscles have back muscles, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, uh, I mean, this is definitely a... Some some would say that it's going to be a, a fight where Islam just ragdolls Charles to the ground and then ground and pounds him to finish. But, I mean, fuck, you just can't these days. You just can't count out Charles Oliveira. Anytime you do, it comes back to bite you. I'm guilty of that myself. The last three opponents he's faced, Chandler, Poirier, Gaethje, I definitely picked those three over Charles. So it's time for me to, to eat some of my humble pie and um, and settle in and, and really give Charles a nod and say, look, if he if he can beat Islam now, he might be one of the greatest lightweights that we've seen in the last sort of five or ten years, you know, potentially an argument for, for all time as well. The way that he's sort of come from behind from the, you know, where he was killing himself to get to 145 um, to you know, potentially some people were saying a few fights ago how he would quit, you know, uh, or give up. But he's, he's you know, again, it's that thing. He's, he's had a daughter. This fire has been lit in Charles over the last sort of two, three years. He's active. He's hungry. He wants to, you know, he wants the fame. He wants the glory. He wants to be an active champion who beats the best of the best. And Islam is definitely the cream of the crop, the best of the best, the best that Russia has to offer. Um, and it's a super exciting fight in the most exciting division, I would say, in the USC. So, who am I going with? Um, I'm going to interrupt my own train of thought there. Uh, I've just had a message from Steve come through. Steve Mulally, the uh, the leprechaun himself, has, has messaged me saying that uh, he, he's put in the bank on Charles by knockout, which, I mean, if you saw the way that he was hitting Gaethje, wouldn't be a bad shout. Whether Islam's there to be hit, you know, we're going to find out. Islam reckons he's going to baptize Charles within two rounds. And fuck, I mean, if he's got that top pressure and can get him down without getting his neck taken or his back taken, then who knows? I'm going with Charles. Steve is going with Charles. Let me know who you guys are going for. I'm really intrigued to this one. I think if they... Whoever wins the belt here, I think they, they run it back. There's, there's really no more obvious fights to make. Uh, in the lightweight division, everybody's pretty much coming off losses. So, yeah, really, really intrigued for this one. I can't wait. It's an early one over at the Etihad Arena in Yas Island, Abu Dhabi, in the UAE. It's going to be beers for breakfast, and Charles is going to have Islam for breakfast. <laughs> Listen, look, quick announcement as well. Next time, we're going to have the boys back with us, um, and we're going to be taking this to YouTube. So we're going to be on YouTube, TikTok, uh, Spotify, Apple Music, Google Play Store, uh, sorry, not Google Play, the Google uh, Podcasts, everything. If, it, if it's a streaming platform, you can find us there. So we're going to start doing reaction videos um, and pick videos on our TikTok and our social media. Really looking forward to getting out there and getting in you guys' faces um, so that you can sort of see us and see our reactions. It's going to be super exciting. But yeah, get at us, uh, MMA Casuals underscore NZ on Twitter. 
Um, let me know your guys' predictions for the fight. Let me know how much you think I'm talking shit. <laughs> oh, I forgot to mention, look what happens if uh, Charles or Islam is injured. Well, we've locked in this week. Alexander the Great Volkanovsky is going to be the backup fighter confirmed for this main event. He's getting flown over. He's uh, training. He's putting in a bit of a camp. He's getting paid to be there. So uh, it raises some questions. You know, that would make for fantastic TV as well. You know, it's a vacant belt regardless of who he fights, you know. So uh, I think the matchup against Charles would be probably better than a bigger wrestler in Islam for Alex. Uh, but Alex striking, you know, we saw in the Holloway fight, he looked fantastic. Uh, he's definitely in his prime, and that's another champion that wants to be active. And I'm always a fan of seeing a new crowned champ champ, as long as it's not fucking Cejudo. Anyway, <laughs> that'll be hella, hella interesting if it does happen. It'll make good TV, uh, but you know, fingers crossed that we see Charles versus Islam in this one. Um, and then the rematch potentially down the track as well. But yeah, we're coming to all social media near you. Uh, keep an eye out for us. Keep an ear out for us. Let me know what you guys think about the podcast. It's always good for us to hear feedback. I know we have a few fans over the States, over the UK, Ireland, Australia. Um, and of course over here in humble little New Zealand so I will thank you very very much for your time enjoy the fights guys it's going to be fantastic uh, and let's go Charles de Bronx have a fantastic week guys